This is chapter four of You Are Not Alone. Fear is the mind killer. I'm the reason you sick ones pray to God as they lie there still. I'm the reason they cry out because I kill. Hello and welcome to You Are Not Alone. You Are Not Alone is a 1v1 horror actual play podcast. I'm Blaine, your host and RPG loving friend. Each episode I sit down with a guest and play a horror RPG based around the fears of that guest. If you're interested in being a guest, recommending a game, or just saying hi, you can reach out to me at Blaine, B-L-A-I-N-E, at youarenotalonepod.com or find me on Twitter at EsmeraldaPod few things before we get started. If you like what you've heard so far, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Even if you don't use iTunes, it really helps other folks find the podcast. Also, I have a Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash Blaine C. Martin. That's B-L-A-I-N-E C. Martin, all one word. I'm going to start two new podcasts exclusive for Patreon listeners. The first is called Hate Misbehaving will be available to all backers, and will be a podcast about ghost stories. The second, available to all backers $5 and higher, is called Grim Encounters. Each month, I'll design a horror encounter for an RPG, released via PDF, and do a podcast about how to maximize the spookiness of it in your campaign. I'll also be sharing short stories, analog games, and poems. Hope you'll check it out and consider backing. It goes a long way to help with the costs of running a podcast. This week, I'm playing Murderous Ghosts with my good friend, Josh Hearn. Murderous Ghosts is an amazing two-player RPG designed by McGay and Vincent Baker. It is based loosely on their Apocalypse World engine. It uses two choose-your-own-adventure-style books. The MC, controlling the Murderous Ghosts, reads their entry and will tell the player who's controlling an urban explorer about to be murdered by ghosts, what entry to turn to in their book. Goes back and forth like this, giving prompts to play out scenes. When chance needs to be brought in, cards are drawn from a deck, and the draw decides whether what happens is a good, bad, or a middling thing. It's a really brilliant game, and I highly recommend checking it out. You can find it over on RPG. If you're ever at a con where Meg and Vince are running audience participation murderous ghosts i cannot recommend enough that you go it's always an amazing time so with all that out of the way let's play shall we so this week uh i have as a guest with me uh, a good friend one joshua hearn hey josh how's it going it's going well how are you I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for uh, for agreeing to come on and let me torture you a little bit. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on. I'm just excited to play. Honestly, I usually am uh, on the other side of the of the die, if you will. Yeah, I know you uh, you GM quite a bit uh, down where you are, and then usually whenever we drag you up here, we force you to run dread for us. So you know, oh, it's not it's not forced. I, lo- I love it. That's uh, any chance I get to torture y'all with some dread is um, something worth looking forward to. I, I I look forward to uh, to your dread sessions. I know 
That um, means a lot. Thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Uh, so before we jump into uh, all of these murderous ghosts, why don't you tell folks a little bit about who you are outside of being someone who's potentially about to be murdered by a ghost? <laughs> well, that is clearly the most interesting piece about me right now is my potential ghost murder. But, um, well, I am uh, I'm a part of an intentional community here in uh, Danville, Virginia. If you've never been to Danville, we are um, – uh, in Southside, Virginia. And if you don't know where that is, well, uh, I'm sure you can figure it out. We, uh, Danville, Virginia, I'm part of an intentional community here called Grace and Maine Fellowship. I say that real careful because apparently that's one of the few phrases left in my vocabulary where my accent comes out. Um, <laughs> and so uh, Grace and Maine Fellowship, we're an intentional community devoted to things like hospitality and shared resources, shared life, shared just about everything, honestly. We stay busy. I also work in sort of a, sort of a faith-based and a nonprofit sector, doing a lot of work around uh, housing and the development of, of uh, opportunities for folks to be a part of the change that they want to see in the world. So, yeah, that's uh, more or less me, I guess. That is uh, that is really wonderful. I mean, I uh, obviously uh, respect the respect the shit out of the work you do, and all of your gaming work as well, um, <laughs> and your work as a is it an Appalachian storyteller? Uh, yes, yeah, specific? I do. You you pronounce it right and everything. The the people in the southern part of the mountains will sometimes say Appalachian, but um, well, I wasn't born there, so that doesn't sound right to me. Uh, but I say Appalachian. But, yeah, yeah, I mean that's the. Uh, I also grew up where they say crick, so I like, <laughs> I might be a northerner, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Town well, has uh, has a little bit of south in it. There's a there's a, a, a part of Pennsylvania, right? That is uh, is Appalachian, uh, Pennsylvania. So uh, yeah, yeah, we got some Appalachians in Central PA. Any, any state's better with a little bit of mountain in it. I agree. I don't. I I I have a lot of mixed feelings about Pennsylvania, but for the most part, I love it. <laughs> Good, good. But yeah, so we are going to uh, to play murderous ghosts. So tell us about tell us about who you're going to be playing. Sure. I'm I'm Ryan. I'm a 34 year old man married to a wonderful woman named Carla. I have two kids named Marie and Max. I'm a well educated white guy who works as a development professional. I mean, a fundraiser, you know, in the nonprofit world. Uh, you've probably not heard of the nonprofit I work for, but uh, I've, you know, I've been fairly successful. I'm not as fit as I used to be, but I'm not unhealthy by any means. Just very, very stressed. In fact, that's why I'm traveling. I'm on sabbatical from my job. Well, I guess it's sabbatical. Maybe it's um, maybe it's a leave of absence for my health, but we're we're calling it sabbatical, and I'm. I decided to visit my alma mater. I know it's kind of corny, but uh, just somewhere where I know that I had passion once. And so I, I went to my alma mater, St. Joe's University. I stopped by my old dorm, but it's closed for reconstruction. Now, I can't say why I did it. I don't rightly know, but I found a door ajar, and I went ahead and went in. I usually follow the rules, but I didn't see it would be that big of a problem. It's not like I remember it. The place is just not like I remember it. And I I don't know. I think I got turned around somehow. Excellent. 
entry one. So you have found a door around back of Everly Hall, slightly ajar, and you pushed it open. There is a creak and some sawdust was unsettled as you entered in to the common area on the first floor. This building was built in the mid-19th century. It was acquired by St. Joe's in the mid-20th century. It was a mansion once and has been turned into a number of dorm rooms uh, with a number of common spaces on each floor. So as you enter in, you see two closed doors, one marked one, one marked two, and beyond that is an area that you remember having leather sofas, a table, some bookshelves with common books that the students might need. This is the quiet space that you used to sit and study. Now all of that is gone as they do their renovations. You can see footprints in the dust up ahead. And in the corner of this room, where there used to be bookshelves, you see some tools, a couple sawhorses are set up surrounded in sawdust. There is a power saw that is unplugged, a few buckets of nails, and various other construction equipment. I want you to turn to entry two in your book. Okay. It says, what's the worst thing this suggests to you? Choose and tell the MC which. I have a number of options. I think I turned to where the bookcases were. And they're really not there. I mean, I, I, I was, I'd love to come down here and sit on that leather couch. And if no one was around, go ahead and just lay on that leather couch and grab a book off the shelf and read and just get lost in, in some story. I mean, I read more sci-fi than anything, but, and not, and without the bookshelf there, it's strange. It's, it's where I kept my sort of battered copy of Dune and, and it's not there. And, um, it feels like sorrow, like loss. Uh, it feels like something's not there and should be. So it tells me, if I pick sorrow, to turn to 26. All right. I'll do that. <laughs> it says, tell the MC if and when you're planning to have children. Well, I've, I've got two kids, Marie and Max. Marie just started first grade this year. And, uh, she is thankfully like her mother. She is uh, bright and energetic, but she'll do wonderfully. Max is, uh, he is trouble on two legs. He is uh, wild as a hare and absolutely wonderful. But life comes a little harder to Max than it does to Marie. Life is, uh, feels a little less fair to Max than it does to Marie. 
But yeah, we, when I was in college, I wasn't planning on having children, but time passes and things change. It, it tells me to draw. Okay. So I do that. And if you haven't seen a ghost here, I haven't. Tell the MC to turn to three. All right. So let's see what three has in store for you. (laughs) So you look longingly at that corner where that bookshelf used to sit. You can remember spatially exactly where Dune was. And it is just so strange that those letters on the cracked spine of the book aren't looking out at you. What do you do? I'm still in the common room, right? You're still in the common room. I think I'd nose around to see if maybe they've just moved the, like if maybe it's in a nearby closet or maybe they've moved the books into a box somewhere. I mean, I'd really like to, I don't know, some memento if I could find it. I mean, I already went ahead and came in here when I shouldn't. So uh, if I could find some kind of like something to take back with me, uh, that'd be nice. Yeah, you remember there's a closet past the common room, kind of on the other side, is where the front door leaves in. There's a closet in that kind of entry area, as well as kind of a larger lounge. And then there's also the, the, the doors to rooms one and two of the first floor. You said there's a larger lounge? Yeah, if you go kind of around where you are now, to the main entryway. Off of the main entryway, there's a large lounge. Is that where the the, the couches were? No, this was uh, this. So where you are now is kind of a private lounge, or at least semi-private. Oh, okay. Um, and then there's there's one that had, you know, tables and multiple couches and a TV. So it's kind of where people just hung out in a common space. Whereas this is where you came if you wanted to kind of be alone and read or do some homework. Yeah. I mean, I think I'd go there uh, on the assumption that maybe they've boxed them up and put them there, uh, like boxed up books or boxed up something off the wall or something, right? They've got to, they didn't just throw that stuff away. Like, it's got to be somewhere. I think I'd head toward the other lounge. Okay. So you, uh, you make your way down this kind of short hallway. Um, that leads from the back entrance in the the you know smaller lounge to the the foyer, um, and there's the front door windows on either side looking out. And as you come out of that small hallway, you hang a left, and that takes you into uh, into this large lounge. And as you enter, you do see. It looks like there's a lot of furniture and boxes in here. The furniture is all kind of covered with sheets to keep it from getting too damaged by the dust. And there are a variety of boxes kind of stacked in the corners. I I think I'd go to some of the boxes and see if any of them uh, appear to be anything that I'd recognize or just sort of, I don't know, rifle through the boxes a little. All right. You uh, you open one of the boxes, the kind of top box of the first stack you come across, and it is books. And the first box, it looks like, are textbooks. You know, a lot of upperclassmen, as they moved out, if they couldn't sell their books back, uh, would just leave them here just in case someone might need a copy. 
There are a couple anatomy books. There's a computer science book in there. Okay. I think I'd, you know, keep looking. All right. You open the next box up. And sure enough, on the top, very top of the box, is that copy of Dune. That's great. The cover is just like you remember it. It's a kind of very 80s sketch of Paul Atreides riding a sandworm. Perfect. The spine is cracked from all of the times that you read through it. I, um, I turn to the back of the book. Where, uh, where I wrote, I guess she's my wife now, Carla's uh, name and phone number. When we first met, I had the book on me, and I, uh, I wrote her phone number down because I wanted to call her later and uh, ask her out on a date. And um, she, uh, she said yes. And so uh, it is. Uh, I want to see if that. Uh, if it's still there. As you flip through the, you flip to the back, you kind of do a cursory look and the phone number and the name are still there, but you notice that everything else is blank. Every page of the book is blank. I'm sorry. Can you repeat that? As you, as you open it up, you do see, Carla's name and phone number, but that's the only thing in there. All of, all of the pages are blank. All of the words printed on the pages have disappeared. I I think I'd be dumbfounded. Um, look, the text of the book isn't there. It is not. It is entirely gone. Uh, do the, do, are the pages damaged or is there? They look, I mean, a little yellowed. But there's no sign of water damage. Nothing you could see that would explain why the text would just be gone. I, I think I'd... Um, it's weird. Um, I think I'd put it in my pocket, like in my jacket pocket. I'd double-check again to make sure it really is the copy that I remember. It looks like the, the, the spine, the cover, everything, and then even it's got Carla's name in it. You pull it out, and uh, the spine is cracked in the same place as you remember being cracked. The cover is exactly, it's the exact same copy. When you rifle through it again this time, the words are there now. And but Carla's number isn't. But as you look up, you now see painted across the walls, all of the walls of this room, all four walls, in different places, in different handwriting, in different colors, written across the wall is Carla, and below it is her phone number. I'm going to turn to entry 11. As you stare at Carla's name and phone number written on the, on the walls over and over again, one catches your eye because you are almost certain that it's written in blood. And it begins to drip 
onto the floor. The sound of that thick wetness making a puddle below it. Turn to entry four. I think, um, four. Okay. Now it says, what do you most hope it doesn't do? And it gives me some choices. Now, in, in this case, what is it? Is it the, the blood? Yes. You might have okay, to. Well then you, I you might have that, to get a little weird with it because it's not necessarily a fully, yeah. fully apparated ghost. Yeah. Sure. So, so my my options are: look at me, reach out to me, speak, or stop still. I think the one that makes the most sense from a story perspective is reach out to me, like, and, and I take that sort of in a, in a more, I guess, a more figurative sense of like that whatever this is that is happening, that it, that it makes contact with me in some way. I think that makes sense. Because I don't know that I can make the others make a lot of sense. And so it tells me to draw and I add these numbers together. Oh, okay. My current total is 20, uh, which means that, it does none of them. And I'm supposed to tell you to turn to page 13. Oh, all right. But, uh, meanwhile, uh, Ryan is going to like check his pulse and um, uh, <laughs> uh, make sure that he's not losing his mind. I think, I think he's probably recently had some trouble, not really a breakdown, but like, you know, he, he had some rough days. And I think maybe he's now a little worried about his um, his mental health. As you reach down to your wrist, this doesn't happen. Yeah, did you when when you were in college? Did Ryan wear wear a watch or anything like that? I don't know. Yeah, a watch a watch on his on his left hand. Okay, left wrist. What what was that watch like? Uh, I mean, it, it was uh, Ryan was kind of cheap and so it was it was not a particularly nice watch it was a watch that uh uh that he got because he he needed for um for keeping track of his uh his his lap times when he was running and so it is a it was a cheap kind of plastic watch with a sort of hat a, a face that was cracked slightly that had basically an alarm and a stopwatch and uh, then just your regular sort of clock face digital for just a moment, when you go to check your pulse, you see that you're wearing that watch again. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's no way though. Like, he, I think, I think immediately, I would uh, assume that I had just double take because you know, I, like that watch didn't even like make it through college. Like, I, I didn't even graduate with the thing, and would. Uh, I, you know, I'd double, I'd look away, look back, kind of double take and see if, um, maybe, um, maybe I'm, uh, worse off than I thought I was. Maybe, maybe, um, something's wrong. And as, just as quickly as those thoughts pass through your head, the watch isn't there. It wasn't there at all. Yeah. You know, and it's crazy. It's yeah. just a, a memory of the watch. And a trick of the eye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think. But Carla's Carla's name and number is still on the wall, and it is still blood, and it is still dripping. I think. Um, I think I'm torn. I think Ryan wants to go and see if it really is what he's afraid it is in blood, right? Or if he just gets his phone out and and calls Carla to make sure she's okay or to make sure he's okay. Um, I, I, I think he goes toward the the blood or what he thinks is blood tentatively hesitantly and uh, i don't know that he wants to touch it but he wants to get close enough to see if this is just in his head or if there's really something going on all right so you approach the blood or what you think is blood what looks like blood and you notice as kind of you you kind of alternate between tunnel vision staring at this particular instance of the name and phone number and just cautiously observing your surroundings. And you notice now that all of the other instances, all of the different colors, they've all disappeared. There's just this one, this one dripping painting on the wall. And as you approach... You get closer and you get closer and you can't from the to the, the cautious distance you've approached to you really you can't tell it looks like blood, but it's dark and your nerves are on edge. Yeah. So it really it has to be paint, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean Yeah, I I mean, someone could have. I don't. I don't know what's happened, but like, I think I'd. I think I'd pull my phone out of my pocket, and I'd snap a picture of it. And then I think, since I have my phone out, I'd go ahead and call. Like, go ahead and call Carla. And not not the number on the wall, like the number, like her actual, like her number now. Okay, I mean it's. About what time of night do you think it is? I mean, I figured it was duskish. All right. So what what do you think Carla would be doing at home? <laughs> Probably wrangling uh, uh, the kids, Marie and Max. It's, you know, dinner time. So she answers, and she sounds a little bit flustered, as, you know, you, you wouldn't expect anything else. Yeah. At the height of dinner <laughs> yeah. time with the kids at home. Um, but she doesn't sound, it's not like she sounds upset that you're bothering her. She sounds happy, happy to hear you yeah. or to see your name on her, her phone. Yeah. And she says, Hey, sweetheart, what's up? Oh, uh, um, not much. Um, you okay? Yeah. I mean, Max got in trouble at school today, and we're going to have to talk about that. But that's not I, – I know you're busy, so, I mean, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I I, um, I don't know. I just um, – I'm, I'm at St. Joe's, and uh, 
uh, was looking around uh, Everly and uh, um, I don't know. It's just it's just weird. It's just not like I remember it. Um, I mean, I'm I'm okay, but it's just it's just weird, man. It's weird. Um, are you are you sure you're okay? I miss. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, I am. I, I just, I guess, I just miss y'all. I um. Well, we miss you too. We can't wait for you to uh to get back to us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, me too. I think um, I might, I might leave early and go ahead and come on home sometime sooner rather than later. Well, uh, you t- I mean, you take the time you need. I know that this trip was important to you. I know. I know you miss those days. I think I think we all do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I um um but you're okay, right? Yeah, I'm fine. Hey, um just weird question. Um do you remember your phone number in college? She's silent for a few moments. She's like, I don't. Oh, you know what? This is the strangest thing. The other day I found my old phone. Uh, Wait, really? Yeah, it was packed up in a box. I was clearing some stuff out. I just started watching that show where they, they ask about, does this thing bring you joy? Oh, yeah. Um, and if not, you should, sh- you should chuck yeah. it. Um, let me go. Let me see if it starts up. Oh. Okay. Yeah. All right. And you hear kind of rustling around, and you hear the like old chip tuny <laughs> cell phone startup sound. And a- as you hear that, the numbers on the wall seem to pulsate. And she comes back. She's like, "Yeah, I actually it, somehow it started right up." Um, and she reads you the numbers, and they're the same numbers that are on the wall, huh. dripping in front of you. That's uh, well. I, that's I guess that's what I expect. I found. Uh, you remember? Uh, remember Dune? <laughs> and, oh, uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, I found it. Um, your uh, your number's still back here. Oh, that's, you should bring it home. That would be a nice souvenir to to. Yeah, I think I will put on the I bookshelves. Am. I think I will. Kiss the kids for me. I'll I'll, I'll see you soon. Will do. You want to say say hi to them or? Yeah, sure. She puts the kids on, and you say, uh, "Yeah, say hi and say you love them, and tell them to behave for their mother," and all the while. There's the dripping sound, the sound of liquid hitting a puddle. You look down and you see that the puddle is growing bigger and bigger. It's expanding out from the wall. It's getting closer to you. I think I'm, I think I'm starting to, I think he's starting to panic. And I think he's probably starting to hurry, like hurry to try and like end the phone call quicker. Okay. Um, just uh, yeah. Oh no, yeah. I, I'll see y'all soon. I love you. It's, it's uh, you know, be good in school. Listen to your mom. And meanwhile, he's also like walking backwards away from the puddle. 
just trying not to remembering that he can he can walk right uh, and and uh, and backing away from the puddle he does not want to come into contact with it all right i am going to say that you are trying to hide in, yeah. as, in as much as that can be uh the case in the sense that i'm trying not to experience i am it's, yes. a, it's a type of hiding so you need to turn to entry 32 well it tells me to draw i'm actually um i'm gonna discard my hand because i'm sitting on 20 yeah that uh that makes um, sense since 21's a bust <laughs> yeah exactly sure, you sure you don't want to keep that you know, I think I'm good. I think I'm just going to draw my next one, which means I'm probably going to get the Midland result. Let's see. Yes, I drew a six. So it says, tell the MC that you found a place to hide. Ask the MC where it is, but that the ghost might have noticed you anyway. And then it tells me to turn. So where am I hiding, MC? So I think you... For whatever reason, you're like you're so focused on this puddle of blood that you don't even really think to leave the room. Yeah. Um, but instead, you kind of find what is obviously a, a bookshelf covered in a blanket that kind of separates one side of the room from the other. And you kind of just go there to take a moment to breathe. Okay. It, it has me go back to four. So what do you most hope it doesn't do? And it gives me those choices again. Look at me, reach out to me, speak, or stop still. I think this time, look at me makes sense because I'm. I think <laughs> I think the worst thing right now would be to see it on like the other wall. I think that makes sense. That's a good, good um, interpretation. Yeah, and so I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to choose look at me, and then it tells me to draw. Got a middling result. I drew a two. That brings me up to eight. It says, it does one of the others. Choose and tell the MC which. I'm going to say, I'm going to say speak. And it says, tell the MC to turn to 15 and choose option B. As you're there, Behind the bookshelf, taking deep breaths, trying to calm yourself. That dripping sound is still there on the other side of the bookshelf. Suddenly, your phone rings. My phone rings? I'm going to look at it. Does it, does it. does it say who? It does. It's Carla's old phone number. The one that's on the wall. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm torn. Um, I mean, it's got to be her. So, yeah, I'll answer. She did. Ju- she did just. She find did the just. Phone. She did just. But it doesn't make any sense though, because like that phone number ought to be recycled at this point. Like, just because she has the phone doesn't mean she that she still has the old number. Yeah, probably. Like, I mean, that is. Creepy, but I don't know. Maybe it's something weird. Um, I don't think he thinks too hard about it. I think he just picks it up because he assumes it's her, 
and he just always takes her call. Hello? When you pick up and you say hello, there's just scratchy breath coming from the other end. It's that kind of breath like like maybe there's liquid in the lungs. So, ha ha, real, real funny, hon. Um, quit it. There's just more breathing. And then for a moment, it catches. And then you hear a voice kind of distant, like it's not at the phone itself, saying, uh, Hello, is someone there? Is someone there? Hello? Yeah, hello? And you can't tell. It's it's too distant. It, it, you can tell it's a female voice, but it's too distant. It doesn't quite sound like Carla's voice, but it's distant enough that you can't you can't quite tell. Maybe it it, it could be. It could be Hirsch. You don't think it is, but maybe Help, help me. Hun? Hun, Carla, is that you? I don't know who you, I don't know who you are, but I think I'm in the basement. It's Ryan. It's Ryan. The phone, the phone disconnects. Um, I think I'd venture... A, a, a look uh, behind the the uh, the other side of the bookcase. You venture a look around the bookshelf, and you see the figure of a man. Man's a strong word, about nineteen or twenty years old. Dipping his fingers into a bucket that looks like it could be paint, and writing on the wall. Carla's name is gone now. The number is gone now. And he just seems to be kind of writing nonsense, like finger painting on the wall like a child would. I I think I'm I'm so amped up, so like adrenaline surged. I think I come out from behind the bookshelf and I say, oh, is it you? Is it you who's, just, who's writing stuff on the wall? Or what's wrong with you? Who are you? It turns. Tell me about your roommate in college. <clears throat> he was, um, his name was Kyle. Kyle was, uh, <laughs> was very quiet. Um, he, he, he came to school on a band scholarship uh, and I could not, for the first semester of college, figure out why in the world we were roommates. Uh, we just, I mean, there's no way that when we filled out that questionnaire, there's no way that we should have been matched together. Um, he was, I didn't think he'd finish the first semester, but he did. And and in that second semester, we... Um, 
we got closer and closer and became pretty good friends. Um, good friends. Uh, we, we went to the same places. Um, we, we hung out, we took a lot of the same classes. We, we, um, we'd go bowling like every other month, every other week. And, uh, we, you know, there'd be nights when we had nothing to do and we just kind of like <laughs> go to Walmart and just, uh, just walk around just because there's not, there wasn't a lot to do at the, at the time. Um, we'd just go for a walk and just see what we could find. And I always thought that Kyle and I were good friends. Um, but he, um, things went kind of south for him after college. He went on to, to grad school and um, things got rough for him. He ended up with a pretty bad addiction. Um, he was really talented, but his talent came with, you know, his, his, his intelligence and his talent ended up making him pretty successful in, in his early twenties. And, um, and, you know, he spent the money on some bad stuff. And, um, he, uh, he, he died, died of an overdose about a week and a half before our, before our 10th reunion. And, um, he was a good guy, but life just broke real hard for Kyle. The figure standing in front of you is Kyle. But it's not Kyle the last couple of times you saw him. It's young, fresh-faced Kyle. Looking like he did that, that day when you went into your dorm room and found him there and introduced yourself. It's that young Kyle with so much hope on the horizon, so much future too much future for some people. And when he sees you, he smiles. I think before he realizes it, Ryan is, is crying, but he doesn't necessarily know why. Uh, he, he has this weird surge of feelings where it's his buddy, but you know, he, I went to the funeral, right? Like, there's no way. But for whatever reason, just never really got over what felt like a loss of potential. Like, like he just wasn't the same guy there at the end. And um, he wasn't really himself. And so I, I, I think I don't. I think I'm dumbfounded. I don't know how to respond. I think I then kind of snapped to realized like this is impossible, and then immediately become very concerned for my own like wellness and and sanity, um, and um, run, get out, just like leave the hall, like run back to where I came in. As as you begin to run, Kyle frowns for a moment 
and then smiles again. But it's a smile that keeps getting bigger and bigger and very quickly becomes too big for his mouth. And as he smiles larger and larger, a crack forms down the center of his face that mirrors the crack of that ratty old plastic watch you used to wear. And you turn and you try to run. And Kyle follows. You should turn to 6, 10, 14, or 16. I am supposed to tell you to choose freely. They're all good. I'm sorry. Wait, what? So you turn to, you can pick between 6, 10, 14, or 16. Any guidance, or am I, I'm assuming I'm not supposed to read, like, choose, like, pick before I go. No, you just you just pick one. Uh, it says to remember which one. This is kind of a loop that it creates where, uh, like, you choose one of them. Um, it says they're all good. How how this book defines good, who knows? <laughs> all right, I'll pick ten. All right. It says, ask the MC what the ghost is capable of doing to you. Hmm. The ghost is capable of changing what you remember. Okay. Tells me to draw. Draw five, which brings my total to 13. That's pretty good. <laughs> which gets me just inside the, the, the good space. Um, <laughs> feels like a soft 16 in blackjack, though, because... <laughs> Because that next card could, I, I don't feel like I can throw it away, but that next card could well put me over. It says choose one, and it gives me a list of things to choose from. I'm going to choose your hands won't stop shaking. And it tell and, ten, and then it says tell the MC to continue from his place. All right. So Kyle's face cracked and smiling. He's following you, and you're trying to run. I am going to tell you to turn to 12 in your book since you are trying to leave. Yeah. It says, ask the MC which is most important for you to do right now. Keep my hands steady. Keep my breathing quiet. Keep my eyes on it. Keep my eyes closed. Keep perfectly still, keep moving, or another one of the MC's choice. Hmm. That's a tough call between... I think don't look at it. I think not looking at it is the most important thing. Okay, okay. I will. It tells me to draw, so I'll draw it. I am genuinely nervous about this. <laughs> oh, shoot. Oh, no. Well, that's a... An eight, which if you're keeping track, is just enough oh, for a, a twenty-one. That's just enough. That is that is the the real bad one. You can't. It's do not it. even like. A, yeah, like. <laughs> it's oh, not even no. like a. 
and in this scenario, like it's not like a face card where it caused you to like massively bust. Yeah, just barely. The card just, uh, just squeaked in there. Yeah, it says you can't do it. Tell the MC. Tell the MC to continue from his place. So you you're you try. You want to leave so bad. But the thought of Kyle's face, so young, before life broke hard, you can't resist. And you stop for a moment, and you turn around and you look, and his face has cracked more. But he's still smiling, and the smile's fractured now as the crack runs down his face. And he approaches you, and he opens his mouth, his broken mouth, and tries to speak, and he can't. Oh, that's creepy. And I'm going to turn to page 29. A ghost is assaulting the other player. Awesome. The ghost of Kyle approaches... And he reaches his hands out. And you realize now, as you look at him, and this was something that you didn't notice before, but he's, it's almost like he's sepia-toned, maybe. Not Mm. quite black, not quite black and white, but like he's looking at you out of a picture. Mm. But it's, it's not a picture. He's right there, and his face is cracking open. And he reaches his hands out and the red paint or the blood or whatever it is, is dripping off of his fingers as he reaches his hands towards your face to touch you. Uh, I, I, I'm standing, right? Yes. Am is he between me and the, the exit or am I, or, or is he? No, you or, just stopped kind of transfixed for a moment. Oh, yeah. I am going to tell you to turn to 40 in your book. 40? I'm having choose your own adventure anxiety. When the numbers get high, it makes me nervous. Yeah. yeah. 40 tells me to draw. That's good. I'm going to toss away this 21. Um, that feels like a good plan. And uh, draw again, knowing that it probably means... <laughs> that I'm going to get a middling result. <sighs> I hope I get a middling result. Ah, six. That'll do. Um, six that'll, gives me the, just the middling. That's that's what I want. It says you can't escape the ghost's assault, but tell the MC what you try to do to survive it. Does Ryan know that it is going to mess with his? Is that what you said? Yeah. Um, I feel like he does. I feel like as you look at him, as you look at Kyle, you feel bits and pieces of your memory of Kyle changing. And you can't quite remember, even though you have, you know, Objectively, you have incredibly clear memories of his funeral. 
you can't remember them anymore. And you know that they should be there. Um, and that has clued you into the fact that it seems to be changing the way you remember. I think um, it says, tell them MC what you try to do to survive it. I think, I think I would start reciting true things I know about Kyle. Um, you know, his name is Kyle Ramsey. He was a freshman at St. John's University in 2002. He, um, he, he was an engineering major. He and just, and I start going through it, getting all the way to, you know, he died on this day, his parents, what their names were and, and, and where the funeral was and, and, and where he was buried and, and just naming as much as I possibly can that I know about him. All right. I essentially trying to like, what feels like kind of rewriting. Um, yeah. I like that. I'm just, so now my choice is I consider an active resistance basically. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely going to make sure that the ghost doesn't kill you. <laughs> um, the question oh, is, they give me the two options. Uh, will the other players action realistically let them survive to get away or mm. realistically let them survive the ghost assault so that the ghost leaves them for dead? I think as you begin to recite these facts, first Kyle's smile begins to return to normal. And then eventually the crack in his face begins to heal. And I'm going to have you turn to page 42 in your book. Okay. And says, you've escaped the ghost attack. But now I draw. <sighs> I drew a queen, so that brings my total to 17. That's a good one. It says, choose one of a list of things. Um, but you're torn and bleeding. Mm. You're, you're dragging a hurt leg. You've run back the way you came, or you've abandoned your light. So I think that the uh, I think that the right decision, story-wise, I think the better one right now is probably you've abandoned your light. Like I think I'm going to lose the cell phone, and it's also okay. now kind of real dark, like true dark. Says and so I've abandoned my light. Tell the MC to turn to thirty-one. Thirty-one. Yeah, we keep getting getting higher numbers. Yeah, not not a fan. <laughs> you've gotten away from the ghost assault, but you have suffered for it. You've left your your phone. You didn't even kind of realize that you had still had it in your hand from the phone call you received when you came out to see Kyle and in the, the startled kind of nature of all of that, you left the phone behind, but you have escaped this place for another. So I'm going to draw a card to symbolize the fact that you have 
escaped your first ghost. Woo. So you get one card to start for free. Every oh, time you... On my side of things, where my deck is, at the beginning of the game, you get one card. And then every time you escape a ghost, I draw another card. Okay. And once we hit four, mm -hmm. I reveal those cards. And essentially, in order to be able to escape this place, you have to have one card of each suit. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So when I flip the four, we'll see how close you are to escaping. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so... To flee, you could head back towards the like small private lobby, or you could go upstairs. There is a stairwell in the foyer, but you could certainly try to get out the back door if you want to just get out. Out. I think. Um, I think as soon as I realized I lost my phone, I think I'd go back to try and get it, and maybe. I mean, maybe that's in that the private lounge. Maybe that's whatever it is. Like, I need to, with the idea being, I'm going to get it and get out of here. Um, but I don't want to leave anything behind because I definitely don't. <laughs> um, one, because I might, I might need it. But, but two, I, I don't really want anybody to know I've been here because there's a good chance that I'm losing my mind, and um, I kind of want to like keep control and not like end up. Um, <laughs> uh, restrained against my uh, against my wishes, and so I want to get here and, and disappear like it never happened. So I, I, that means I need to get my phone. Okay. I'm going to head back to that private lounge, I guess. Okay, so you head back to the private lounge. Essentially, just retracing my steps to look for. Yeah, when you enter into the private lounge, it's exactly as you remember it. It's exactly as you remember it from college. The couch is there. The bookshelves are there. Dune is in its right spot. Do I still have the copy in my in my jacket pocket? You do. Well, then I pull it out. Is it the same book? It's not. It's a copy of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. <laughs> the one in my in my jacket pocket. Yes. Huh. Um, well, I mean, I'm sure I read Frankenstein. Um, I think I'd go pick up Dune. Um, yeah, I'd go, I'd go pick up Dune and, and look in the back again. Yeah, look in the back. Is there anything, is, is Carl's name and number back there? It is, and all the text is there. This is this is exactly how it should be. In fact, the pages aren't yellowed or anything hmm. like that. There's no sign of age. It's like it's like the last time you you put it back on the bookshelf after reading it. I think I think as weird as it is, I think I think I'd feel relieved. Um, I think I'd feel. A little relieved that it's like it's not. It doesn't feel quite as like uh, quite as much of an emergency, uh, quite as dangerous, I guess. And I think I would um, maybe maybe chuckle a little bit. And uh, and looking at Frankenstein, <laughs> I would uh, I might laugh and say, uh, <laughs> "Beware." <laughs> <laughs> 
for I am fearless and therefore powerful. And uh, I'd grab the copy of Dune and I'd I'd probably drop Frankenstein back on the, the shelf and uh, look to see if if my phone's on the floor nearby or somewhere where I can grab it and go or as you grab Dune and you look up, tell me about your RA. My RA. Uh, what? Yeah, yeah. When you were living when you were living in Everly yeah, Hall. Yeah, I know. So, uh, <laughs> my my RA was a, was a was a guy named Jay, and Jay was always eager uh, to be everybody's best friend, but he was um, the most naive and gullible person imaginable. Uh, there was not a lie he did not believe which meant that a lot of people took advantage of him. I felt bad about it at first, but eventually we realized that, like, you know, there's worse things in the world for a college freshman than an RA who believes everything you say. And so, uh, yeah, I, I took advantage of him, too. We would we would say whatever we needed to say, and, and he was so eager to be everybody's friend that he would uh, – He'd bend rules. He would, uh, you know, we kind of always knew that there's no way he actually believes this. But, but if he can't be loved and he can't be liked, then he at least can be useful, I guess. And I think he preferred the feeling of being included, even if it was being used. My book asks me to have you draw. Draw? Draw. I think I'm going to sack this hand and draw and and draw fresh. I'm sitting at 17. I don't think I can draw under 20. Yeah, that's a rough one. Seven. All right. As you look up from taking the copy of Dune, you see Jay sitting on the couch, legs crossed. He's got a copy of uh, what was his favorite? What was Jay's favorite comic book? I mean, it has to be Superman, right? <laughs> like <laughs> that sounds about right. He's got the newest issue of Superman. Not new, like yeah, yeah, two thousand nineteen new. Uh, new like two thousand two yeah. new. New issue of Superman sitting on his lap. He hasn't looked up from it. He hasn't seen you yet. But he's sitting there on the couch reading it. Did you notice your phone is on the floor under the couch? You can kind of see it between his legs. <laughs> That's cruel. That's cruel. Turn uh, <laughs> Is this it's called Murderous yeah, Ghosts? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. What am I turning to? It's four. Hey, we're, we're back at the four. beginning. That's a low number. Uh, what do you most hope it doesn't do? Huh? <laughs> exist is exist an option? Um, no. Choose. Look at me. Reach out to me. Speak or stop still. Well, huh? I think. I think honestly. I am trying to sneak. Is it possible that I can 
I is it possible that I could sneak up and get the phone, even like laying down and reaching under the couch <laughs> to get it without I don't know, somehow? Like is that possible? Yeah, it, <laughs> it might it might be. He might be real absorbed in that Superman yeah. comic. So I think if in that case, since I am trying to like get the phone without attracting the attention of this person who's unstuck from time, or maybe I'm unstuck from time. That's right. Um, Some Billy Pilgrim action. So it goes, right? Uh, I'm going. I'm going to hope that he does not choose to look at me. Um, <laughs> that's a good. That's a good reasonable choice. <laughs> <laughs> and so now it tells me to draw. Oh boy, I, I'm feeling good about this. Everything is beautiful. And Everything. Well, we'll see about that part. Um, <laughs> I'm feeling good about the draw though, because I'm sitting on a seven, and I draw a face towards me at yeah, eighteen, be, f- which is it, it means it does none of them. Tell the MC to turn to thirteen. All right. Jay is just sitting there. He's uh, reading his comic book. He's turning the pages slowly as he finishes. He has not looked up yet. <laughs> what do you What do you do? I'm gonna try and get the phone. All right. I think that's trying to hide. Uh, actually. Oh no, that I didn't read the full entry. They try to avoid the ghost's attention while doing something that might attract it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. That is exactly the thing that you're doing. Yes. Uh, you you turn to 30 in your book. Mm. Back to the wrong right. end of the book. Yeah, right back up. Oh, well, it tells me to draw again. Uh, I will be sacking this hand and, and starting fresh with my, from my 18. Uh, oh, boy. All right. Draw is a six. Whew. Oh, just just by the skin of your teeth. Yeah. It says choose and tell the MC which. Either I stop what I'm doing and stand still, <laughs> turn to four, or I can press on anyway. Tell the MC that the ghost reacts to me. <laughs> game is so mean it is so much it is i'm pressing on i i the the ghost the ghost reacts to me turn to 17 okay Okay. 17 then that number has a weird sinister sound to it right now it does i mean it's not great is this the ghost murder number I mean, not not quite yet. I can put my finger in the page like with the old Choose Your Own Adventures, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It is a ghost is directly approaching the other player with its full attention upon them. Oh, sweet. That's great. I love the writing of these books is so beautiful. <laughs> like at moments, like sometimes it's very matter of fact. But then like the next sentence on my page is, all murderous ghosts exist in a nightmare state made of the violence that created them. They can experience nothing else. Read that one more time. All murderous ghosts exist in a nightmare state made of the violence that created them. They can experience nothing else. Oh, good. Good, good. So you are trying to sneak 
<laughs> uh, between Jay's feet to get this phone. When you say it like that, it makes it sound dumb. <laughs> you look up for a moment, and Jay has closed the comic book and is just kind of looking at you, almost in that like parental way of like, oh, really? Yeah. Did you did you think this was gonna work? So you picked 10 last time. I did. So turn to 6, 14, or 16. Choose I'm freely. I'm feeling 6. They're all good. It's, it's low. Six, 6 is low. Yep, 6. I got it. 6. Come on, 6. Be good to me. Well, this is not a great way to start it. It says, tell the MC something you wanted the chance to do before you died. Uh, which the, the way that is written really makes me feel like there's a something illumin, like a murderous ghost, perhaps sitting right above you. Oh, I don't want to get killed by the RA though. Like, oh man. Um, I don't know. After what you told me about Jay, I feel like he deserves this. <laughs> All right, tell me, <laughs> he doesn't deserve nothing. He's born of violence and hatred, or something. Nightmare state. Tell the MC something you wanted a chance to do. Before you died, I wanted to see. I wanted to see my kids grow up enough that I know they're going to be okay. Like grow into some version of themselves that feels like it's it's close to who they'll be. And and that's a hope that's born out of fear, you know. Yeah, it's a hope that. It's a hope that's born out of fear of like not maybe not really knowing what they'll be like in 15, 20 years. And feeling like I don't want to miss out on any piece of them. And there's some piece of them that is slowly being revealed with every day that they live that that I, I want to know. And if I and I, I want to know that before I die. I don't know if it's going to be okay. That they're going to be okay. It says, what do you most hope you don't do now? I mean, it's, I'm assuming that means besides get murdered by a ghost. Yeah, I don't think that's on the, the list specifically. It's not. It says, choose between scream, break and run, beg, or lash out. Oh, they're all so good. For me, at least, um, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with beg. I want to keep my dignity. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then it says, and then it says draw. <laughs> what happens? I sit on a six. Sit on a six. I need at least a seven to get into good territory. <laughs> but you're still at yeah. least you're not in bad territory. Well, the the. Uh, that ace is not going to help me because it gets me to seven. Um, well, that's, that's a middling thing. Yeah, it says, at least you don't do that. Instead. <laughs> Even the book is taunting you. Yeah, seriously. Instead, choose and tell the MC. You edge away. You babble or whimper. You pray. Or choose a different one from the list above. You know what I think I do? Go ahead. 
<laughs> I think it's a combination of Babel and Prey. And I think it has to be, I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. But in a in a in a weird babbly kind of broken voice. Yeah, uh, I love it. I love it so much. And I think and I think it descends into just being fear is the mind killer. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the mind killer. I think Jay puts the comic book down next to him on the couch. And he smiles almost warmly. And you realize, again, for some reason you didn't notice this at first, but most of the color is gone from him. And he's almost just like a figment sitting there. And he smiles. And he says... I hold at your throat the Gamjabar, young Atreides. And he reaches out almost tenderly, like he's going to touch your cheek. What was. You said that a few times you, you weren't kind of the worst perpetrator of taking advantage of Jay. But you said you took advantage of him a few times. What was the worst thing that you did to him? I convinced him to take the fall for something I did. I made him... I discovered in college that I had some gift for words. And with it, the ability to sometimes get some people to do things for me. And... um I got in trouble in one of my classes. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I missed a really important test, and um, and I I blamed Jay. I said that Jay had had um, needed my help, and that he and that he wouldn't let me uh, go. He 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 kind of made me stay and help him with something, and. Um, and before I'd even really realized that I'd gotten the lie out of my mouth, and then I realized that like Jay, Jay wouldn't tell the same story. And so I rushed back to the dorm, and I, I convinced him to take to admit it, to to like admit that he, like abused his power to um, hurt me. He got in trouble. He didn't lose his job or anything, but I basically convinced him that that I, I needed him to I needed him to take the fall on this because I couldn't. Um. Yeah. When when you asked Jay, when you told him the trouble you were in, there's this look of just utter pity that he gave you 
And it was the look that he gave that you knew as soon as he gave it to you that he was going to do what you wanted him to do. He's giving you that look now again as he's reaching his hand out to you. And I'm going to have you turn to page 38 in your book. 38 doesn't feel good. <sighs> okay. It says draw. I'm sitting on seven. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep drawing. Ten brings me to seventeen. It says tell the MC that the ghost lets me go. And tell the MC to turn to thirteen. All right. I always knew I liked Jay. He touches your cheek gently. And all of a sudden, you can't remember what class it was that you missed that test in. Mm. And Jay picks the Superman comic book back up and opens it and continues reading. What do you do? I grab my phone and I go. All right. You rush out of the room and Jay sits there and continues to read. I'm going to draw another card because you successfully made it out of that space. Where are you going as you run out of the, of the lounge? Back toward the exit. I've got my phone. I don't know if there's any evidence of me here. I'm headed to the exit. All right. You run towards the exit. And you grab the doorknob, and all of a sudden from behind you, you hear Jay say, Ryan, Ryan, where are you going? It's, it's past curfew. Home. I'm going home to, I want to see Carla and the, the kids. Jay... No offense, but you're not real, man. <laughs> like not I mean I mean I guess you are, but like not in the way like I mean I'm sure there's a real Jay out there somewhere doing something like selling insurance or auditing something. I don't know. But but you're not you're not him, not I don't think you are. Um, it's 2019, man. It's not 2000. Like, I'm I'm leaving. Um, I don't have a curfew because I'm not in college, and you're not Jay. Not really. Jay says, "I don't." Ryan, what are you talking about? Carla's Carla's over in her dorm. They they're under cur. Like, you just I don't want to have to write you up, man. And you know. You know, I like you, uh, even after you got me in trouble. Like, you got to stay, man. I think I'd look to my, um, look to check what time it is. You, uh, you look down at your wristwatch. That, uh, that battered plastic wristwatch with a a crack in the screen that so reliably tracks your runs for you. 
Uh, and it says that it is, uh, it's 1030 PM, a half an hour past curfew. And like, you know, you could convince Jay to, to let you go, to let you go see Carla over in her room on the other side of campus. I don't know, Jay. Like I, I don't, I don't feel so good. I mean, I can, I can swear to you, Jay, that like I'm not in college right now. Like that, I, I like Carl and I are married. We have two kids, Marie and Max, and. I don't know what's happening, man. Turn to page 40 in your book. Tells me to draw. I'm going to start into a hand. Oh, it's an eight. So I can't escape the ghost of soul. But I can tell the MC what I try to do to survive it. <laughs> this sounds familiar. Um, We've been here before. I think I'm going to uh, parallels are good story, right? So I'm. Uh, I think I'm going to silently sort of rehearse my like my story to myself, my my, my life story. Like I'm I'm 34. I'm married. I have two kids. Got a job. I'm on sabbatical or like leave or something. And I'm I'm 34. I'm married to Carla. We have two kids, Marie and Max. And I'm just closing my eyes and I'm going to ignore this reality that seems to be pushing its way into me and onto me and around me. And I'm going to insist on this reality that I think is real, but feels fragile. As you chant those names, chant the facts, there's almost a flicker in Jay's face. Uh, Turn to page 44 in your book. Oh, that's really high. Um. Oh, you've survived the ghost attack. Yay! Eventually, it goes, leaving you for dead. But draw. All right. Fourteen gets me over the bad hurdle. Um. I get to choose one of a list of things. Oh gosh. <laughs> I think it's the right decision for. Story-wise, you're disoriented, lost. And then I'm supposed to tell you to turn to 33. All right. Let's see what 33 is in store. So you feel, as you are sitting there speaking these facts, and Jay is flickering and slowly disappearing, each time you say something, it's almost like saying it strips it from your brain and that fact is gone and you can't remember what year it is 
Although you don't think it's the year that you went to this college, you you're pretty sure you're married, but you're having a hard time remembering who you married. But Jay does eventually flicker from existence entirely. And I'm going to draw a fourth card over here and reveal the four to see how close you are to escaping. So I'm using a tarot deck over here. So my suits Mm. are a little bit different than standard poker suits. So I am going to flip these four cards. So we have a Knight of Wands, an Ace of Swords, an Ace of Pentacles, and a Four of Cups. Hey! That is uh, semi-miraculous. You have all all four suits uh, here in front of me. Do you happen to conveniently uh, be in right next to the door? So as you say these facts aloud and and memory begins to, to fade, Jay fades as well and eventually disappears. And you turn as quickly as you can and you throw the door open. And you charge through. You're standing behind Everly Hall. It's 2019. You're on the campus of St. Joe's University. You traveled here because you're on sabbatical. Maybe really it's a health leave. Because you're very, very stressed. Not unhealthy, even though you're not as fit as you used to be. And you know that you're Ryan and you're 34 and waiting for you back home is your wife, Carla, and your children, Marie and Max. And as you leave the grassy field and you walk through the large bushes that separate it from the street, you look down at your beat-up old plastic watch with the crack running down the face and you go to catch the bus back to your hotel. (laughs) Thank you for listening to you are not alone. Thank you to Joshua Hearn for playing. Thank you to McGay and Vincent Baker for designing such an amazing game. Go pick up your copy on drive through RPG. Our theme song, is Everybody Knows My Name by Harley Poe. Thank you to Joe Whiteford for letting us use it. Join me on April 9th for Chapter 5, This Too Shall Pass, where I play dead friend with the creator Lucian Khan. Until then, remember that you are strong, you are beautiful, and you are not alone.
from this dream I'll set them free Through cancer and disease I'll take with me whom I please No need to run You can fight and face defeat Through religion and deceit And science and conceit Try to stop me but in the end I can't be beat I'll be at it once again You'll all face me in the end It should be fun As I swat you down like flies So when it's time for you to go Don't you 